and welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, along with the professor, Dr. Will Wu from Cal State Long Beach, professor of motor control and learning. We had a little Zoom faux pas that pretty much every podcast in the universe uh, has, has experienced over the last year. But Will, we're back. Okay. Uh, LBC. How dope was that jersey? Let's talk about Joe Hampton, man. How dope was that jersey? Yeah, I love it. So we're talking about uh, Last Chance U basketball and uh, one of the stars of that show and probably the most skilled player. And I something interesting. He's the highest rated uh, player on that team coming out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. With with that Joe Hampton, uh, I think. Will said he went to DeMatha. He ended up at Oak Hill Academy, which produced several uh, NBA stars. And then from there to Penn State, where he got hurt and then got fat and was smoking a lot of weed and and ended up out of there. Thank God he made his way out to Coach Mosley and East Los Angeles College, where he rejuvenated his career with an amazing squad of dudes that I enjoyed the hell out of watching. Um, at East ELAC, uh, East Los Angeles College. You know, one of the interesting things about that, Will, as we transition, uh, we could talk a little bit of uh, NBA. Um, What's that? Is when, I think it was Deshaun Hyler, uh, who was also one of the stars of that show. And it, at first, I guess I thought he was the point guard. And at some point in the show, I figured out that he was the shooting guard. And one of the things he said is, I don't know if it was him or one of the narrators said, when you're a shooting guard, there's one thing you're out there to do is to shoot and score. And there are other positions where you could be a center and be like, oh, well, the ball's not falling, but he blocked three shots and had two steals and is defending the rim. But when you're a shooting guard, (laughs) if you're not shooting, man, you're not doing your job. Everybody can see. This dude's got like eight points and he's a shooting guard. That can't happen. Yeah, it's uh, in the NBA, they call it a three and D type of player. Mm -hmm. Someone playing on that wing right there. And they usually don't call it just the D player. There's (laughs) got to be some shooting. There's got to be some shooting. Yeah, like if you can't not have points in that position, you could be a point guard and not have points. You might be able to be a small forward and go, well, I deed up, you know, I got a bunch of steals. I had a few assists. I mean, you can, but in shooting guard, if you're not scoring, everybody knows it. Like at that position, unless you got like a LeBron on your team. I mean, obviously if you got that situation now, you know, you can be KCP and you don't have to hit that many. You just have to hit them when you need them, you know? And that's what we were talking about today is because, okay, so let's go to the Lakers real quick. So, LeBron, high ankle sprain. Yeah, it was a very uncommon ankle sprain. Usually you uh, there's you sprain your ankle through eversion. This was inversion. So um, his foot turned outward rather than inward. And there was some controversy about how he got injured because it was a contact injury. And I think it was Solomon Hill rolled up on his leg. And some people will say that was a dirty move. And I saw it and I was like, if you really know the game well and you're in that position, you know if you keep on going, you can injure the guy. 
if you're at that level, you know that. And so he said he wasn't trying to hurt him, but you just go, you can't be an elite NBA, or you can't be an elite basketball player in the NBA, be in that position and not know if you continue to go for the ball, you're going to hurt him. Um, and I was, when I saw it, he's lucky that he didn't hurt his knee also at the same time. And so um, it's going to be tough for the Lakers because he's out indefinitely. Who knows what he does in rehab. Um, and then you got Anthony Davis that's also out. And that that's troublesome. If I were the Lakers, I would have held him out probably two weeks, maybe three weeks before the playoffs because those types of injuries kind of lead to or scare me that they'll lead to the uh, the Achilles injury. I think it's all going to depend on whether or not they're going to get that six seed. You know, if they're going to get that that six seed or, you know, where you have to – I think you have to uh, play your way into the tournament, basically, uh, the playoffs, then, I mean, they might bring Davis back uh, if LeBron is still out uh, and they're not in a position to capture one of those seeds. To me, if you're not the number one seed, it really doesn't matter because you don't have home court advantage, so what's the difference? Okay, so you're gonna face you're gonna face uh, Utah instead of Denver, you know. I mean, I don't think it really matters with some of those teams which one you you're gonna face the Clippers instead of uh, Utah or whatever, you know. I mean, I think it, you know, anyway, it's gonna, it's a rough or Portland, right? It's a rough road no matter which way you go. Yeah, and the, well, for the Lakers road games, I wouldn't worry about so much because their road record is really good. At one point in the season, their, uh, yeah, their, their most of their losses came at home. Oh, at home, I know. <laughs> so um, it's well, there's no that. home anymore. I mean, there's no home with no fans. I mean, it's so sad. Oh, they have some. I think there's some. They're starting to let some fans in. I don't know what the percentage is, but and the Staples Centers had not had not. But I know Atlanta because then he that's when LeBron got in the mix up with uh, the fans that are were courtside. It was like, I don't know, it was like three weeks ago or something like that. So some places are letting fans in um, and some places aren't depending on what level they're, what COVID level that they're at. Um, but there will be some fans depending on what place, what place you play. Um, and and l- let me tell you what the starting lineup was tonight. Um, let me look at the roster. Okay. The starting lineup was a guy named Devante... Kaycock, a dude at an NC. Oh, he's a two-way player. Played most of this stuff. He's probably in the G League for most of this year. He was. He was in the G League. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope started. Um, Kyle Kuzma started. Markeith and Schroeder. That's who started. I don't know. I got to see what what the... uh, Okay, and... Oh, the... Okay, oh my God. New Orleans blew him out, man. Yeah, by 17 minutes. Yeah. So bueno. That was not good. Yeah. Not so bueno. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough for yeah, them. Those are the good, two yeah. guys that this team was built around your primary ball handler and your two offenses designed around those two players. Everybody else was just supposed to support them. Yeah. Montrez Harrell led all, uh, all scores for the Lakers, at least with 18. Uh, Wes Matthews had 14. I can't even believe that. And Caruso had 10. Caruso has not played well. Taylor Horton Tucker uh, had only had five, and he played 19 minutes. So, you know, they're going to find out. Uh, uh, 
you know, Kuzma continues to be a little bit of a disappointment. In 34 minutes, he had 16 points. He had 10 boards. And um, what do you have there? Is that? Oh, he had seven assists. I guess that's pretty decent. Well, I think I think also important for him is shooting percentage. Yeah, uh, he shot. He, uh, go ahead. Sometimes he operates too much. Yeah, sometimes he just operates too much on volume. Um, but since he got his new contract, he's been so much better. He has been. Yeah, he has been balling. I mean, he's he's making an effort. But I mean, we're, the Lakers as a team were forty-two percent from the field. Oh no, that was for the game. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have that stat, but, but Kuz, uh, Kuz is averaging 12, six and 1.4. Um, but yeah, he, he needs to do a little bit better if they're gonna, I mean, if he's going to be that guy, cause basically he was held out of that trade, uh, last year with Lonzo Ball and company, uh, because they said, uh, where they traded what Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Uh, and Brandon Ingram for um, 97 Lakers draft picks <laughs> until, like, Bronny, you know, is in his third year in the league. But the trade was a good one because the Lakers won a championship last year. Yeah, I was not in favor of it, but I was proven wrong. So um, He shot 6-14 six, six tonight, Kuzma. Oh, yeah, so that's not, that's not, so that's not okay. terrible. No. Yeah. But he, he needs to be more forceful. I think they need to run more plays for him. And he also needs to look to go to the basket, uh, not just on broken plays, but on design plays where he'll take it to the basket. I think he needs to be a little bit more forceful. If he's well, going to take where, that next step, you know. This is where things change because he's not, he's not, he wasn't the main cog of their offense and now he has to be. So they got to completely redo how they do stuff. Um, I agree. I agree. So it's going to be challenging. They're, like you said, they're just going to have to hold on. They're going to, yeah. They have, and Tucker, you know, Horton Tucker, LeBron said that if he were drafted this year, he would have been a lottery pick. Uh, and I don't necessarily <laughs> disagree with that. But uh, now, now he's going to show it. A little bit always. They, they have the same agents. And um, LeBron has... LeBron's LeBron's best friend. It's in a sense LeBron's agency. Oh yeah, so, no, I know. Yeah, when they talk about THD, I mean he's a good player. He's a solid player. He's got some promise. But sometimes when they talk about him, I'm always wondering if they're just pumping oh, up a little bit too I, big because it's in their best business interest. Dude, when I see him drive to the basket, he drives hard and with with power and with confidence. He, uh, I, I really do like his game. He's not like some like great shooter. It's kind of like a short range shooter, but he, you know, when, when you go to the basket and you have no fear of it, I like in a big game, if they can get to a big game this year, that's the kind of guy that you want because that always leaves the opportunity for two things to happen. Either you can score or you can get fouled. And if you're somebody who just wants to catch and shoot and play hot potato, that's not going to happen. Not unless you're like James Harden. You're not going to be creating fouls at the three-point line. If he continues to develop, he has the chance to have a really long career in the NBA because his main physical ability, he's not super fast. He's not super no. bouncy. He's not super bouncy vertically, but he's got a 
super long wingspan. Man and so while, Yeah. And so while he's not so fast, he's not going to rely on his speed and power, you know, your, his wingspan is not going to shrink over his NBA career. And so he's going to have the opportunity to continue to develop his skills to have a really long NBA career because he's not relying on speed power, which over time, it's NBA career, go it's going to go away, but he's still going to have his long arms. That's a, that's a really good point because some dudes, when they lose those ups, they yeah. don't have a game. But yeah, long arms, big hands, man strength. And, and as he keeps going, he's going to get more foul calls. And, you know, I don't want to say he's going to be like a mini Kawhi because he does things differently. He scores a little differently, but he has some of those same physical attributes. I think he's 6'4", something he's six along five. those 6'5", but yeah. his wingspan is at least seven feet. <laughs> so that is like Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, if, if you look at his game, you look at his dunks, and you look at he's not getting that high off the ground, but his arms are long. And defensively, <laughs> and defensively, he's really he's he's solid defensively. He's not solid defensively because he's faster per se, or he's blocking shots because he's getting off the ground. But, I mean, he's picking Harden because he can reach around and poke it away and things like that. So um, his wingspan really helps him out a lot. I, you know, the Golden State Warriors, they they had as part of their draft algorithm, they wouldn't necessarily – or they ding the players a lot if their wingspan was shorter than their height. That's- They'd have like a basic anthropometric requirement – I don't want to, I say requirement loosely, but they're looking for players on a baseline level that have longer wingspans than height. I'm good with that. I'm totally good with that. Um, I like Sean Livingston and people like that. I like that, that type of player that they had. Um, um, Yeah. Horton Tucker, according to Brian Windhorst, the teams that are talking trades with the Lakers to try to get a big man like uh, the guy, is it uh, Andre Drummond, the, the yeah. uh, center for the Cavs? Um, all, everybody wants to talk about Taylor Horton Tucker. And what the Lakers want to give up is more like KCP. <laughs> because yeah, I can see the, the promise. I mean, KCP, I, I still believe, is very valuable. If they get in a big game, you know already, based on last year, he's not going to choke in a big game. And he will put up shots and he will make plays. However, when you have a talent, no pun intended, <laughs> like Horton Tucker, you know, you have somebody that it's not easy to get a guy like that with a second round pick. You don't get that again. Yeah, the only thing, and I wonder if he gets traded, but he's next year, he's going to be a restricted free agent next year. They're going to have to pay and- him. Yeah, and so whatever team that gets him, whether it be a trade or he's not traded, the Lakers have to seriously consider are they going to match or not? And I'd imagine teams would come aggressively after him. Well, I'm going to tell – you... excuse me. I'm going to tell you why you're going to match. You know why? why? You get no fucking draft picks. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to pay these guys, and you have to you have to fill the cap because they don't have any draft pick. You can't draft anybody. No, yeah, you're, you're right. Be, you're you right. know, you you can't. You don't have. First of all, even if you had a first round pick that was any good, and you will, New Orleans is going to get that pick. Uh, but they're gonna they're gonna keep their they're gonna be able to pick swap most of these. Mm. So mm. you're not gonna get a good. You're not. You don't have a pick. So yeah. The, 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 
New Orleans has your pick. So, yeah. for and, you know, I think about it more as for the if he is traded, the other team. So if he is traded um, to another team, that other team, it's not like, I mean, they can let him go, I guess, in restricted free agency and they can save money on their books and decide to match based on what other people offer them. But that other team is going to still have to decide on whether they want to do that or not. But this, these days, NBA, they're looking for a salary cap space. So that might be the value that they see in training away drumming. What's going to happen is at the Starbucks on Wilshire in Beverly Hills is going to be LeBron, Rich Paul, and Taylor Horton Tucker, and LeBron going, bruh, I need you to sign for this much. So basically, his contract is going to end up being what his agent and LeBron convince him it should be. I actually don't think they do that. I think they say, you're going to sign for as much as you can possibly get because if you sign for less, I don't get paid. But if no, you wait, sign that's for the, most, no, I get that, paid. No, you're, you're pointing out the Scott Boris tactic. Not, <laughs> that's Scott Boris. That's not Rich Paul because – Basically, it's what do we have to do to keep a team around LeBron is number one, and everything else is number two. <laughs> so, so, so with Horton Tucker, it's going to be like, yo, man, we're going to get you on the next contract. So three the, years. The, La- <laughs> the Laker downfall this year was not signing one of two players, and that was Dwight Howard or JaVale me. McGee. Will you please not remind me or of that? Or JaVale McGee. Please. And Dwight Howard did not sign for significantly more than what? the Lakers were offering him. I know. Can you please not remind me of that, please? <laughs> I'm sorry, DJ. Because it's very, very upsetting <laughs> that's that, a, they, that's that, a... that I'm looking at uh, someone who, while he might make a great paella and Marcus Gasol, I don't think makes a great center in the year 20, 2000, the year of our Lord 2021. So No, um, not someone taking a lot of minutes at the at the five spot. Very complimentary, maybe. Will, a complimentary player. Will, where, off the does, bench. where does Kyle Lowry end up? Is he going to Miami? Is he going to go to Philadelphia? There's one other team that I don't remember that he was interested in. That he said he wanted to go to? He's uh, supposed, according to Brian Windhorst, and by the way, I love, I love you, Brian Windhorst. He's a great, great guy. Um, he said that he has given them a couple teams that he would be open to. Uh, one of them being Miami, one being Philly because he's from Philly. Miami obviously playing with Jimmy Butler. Who has the most draft picks? I mean, I would assume Philadelphia does. I think they have the draft picks. I, I don't have it off the top of my head. But I think the big deal is you have a similar situation in Miami that the Lakers have. Everybody who talks to Miami, what's the one name do you think they want coming back their way? If for someone uh, to go to Miami, they want. Um, I'll the, give you a hint. Ta- they, uh, what, a a three-point yes. shooter kid. It's yeah. like, I, well, not only three-point shooter, the uh, Kentucky kid. Gosh, I'm totally brain Ty- Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero. Yeah. Yeah, the, kid the other the kid Elvis. is good too. Yeah, the other kid is good too. The Elvis lip. So, yeah. um, that's yeah. The other kid is Duncan Robinson, the three yeah, point Duncan shooter. Robinson. But they don't want to really entertain Hot Tyler Hero because it's very difficult. That guy has an all around game, and I think his game is going to become 
more pronounced when we get to the playoffs and every possession counts. He's not afraid to shoot. He's not afraid to pass. He'll get a rebound. He'll shoot a three or he'll make a very, he always makes the right basketball player. And, and, and a lot of guys, as you know, from watching the big games, they have a great regular season and they just kind of come apart in the playoffs. So yeah, you can't let three point young three point shooters like that, that you drafted leave your team. No. Well, I don't, I don't think of him as a young three-point shooter. I think of Duncan Robinson as a young three-point shooter. I think of Tyler Hero as a young kind of do-it-all kind of player that can do everything. Duncan Robinson's not like create. I think there was a stat of him three-point shooting of people that have taken at least 500 NBA threes that blew me away. It's like a small club that Duncan Robinson's in, Okay. Tyler, my man Reggie, is my man Reggie Miller in that? Club? I can't remember who it was now. I heard it because I'm listening to like four different basketball podcasts now, so I can't remember <laughs> which one I heard. But um, <laughs> but but he's in an elite club in terms of percentage of threes made. Duncan Robinson is. Tyler Hero can not only shoot the three, but he can do everything on the basketball court. He will make the right basketball player. And 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 the other thing is. He'll do it in a big game. He kicked the Lakers' ass in a couple of those games. So, um, so I really like Tyler Hero, and they don't want to talk about Tyler Hero in any trade. Duncan Robinson's career three-point percentage is 41.7%. And the league average is 36%. Yeah, and then uh, Tyler Hero's career three-point percentage is 36 but this year he's having some difficult times he's at 31 yeah i mean he's it's like sort of a sophomore year i think for him so you know but uh, people make their adjustments and they have to readjust absolutely but in a big game i trust that kid and so do you if he had the ball in his hand in a big game now obviously the laker i mean you know when you're going against lebron james and you smash them one game and then all of a sudden they come back and they're really taking it to you you know as other people said, Jimmy Butler found out that he was LeBron James for those games. He he absolutely dominated one of those games. But can you do it in the next game and the next game and the next game to get to four? That he couldn't do. Two of those games, he was outstanding. But not for all four. And that's how the Lakers were able to close them out. Tyler Hero was very similar. Um, he had a couple of big games, but in that final game, I think the Lakers were blowing them out in that final game, right? They were yeah, they were twenty nine or thirty at one point. So yeah, yeah. And these they, guys were doing it as rookies last year. Yeah, so that was good. And they were doing it without uh, Dragic. That's right. Dragic, Dra- really Dragic got hurt. Yeah, that yeah. could have. The Lakers definitely. They say they got lucky, but when oh. you know when Bill Sim- no, we were just talking about this, Will. When Bill Simmons says, oh, LeBron says it was the hardest championship, I don't know. I'm like, dude, they, they were in the bubble for 100 days. Have you ever done that, Bill? Has any team done that? And been away from your family and did Groundhog Day day after day? This is what all these people that we started the show off talking about military deployment. That's what drives people nuts is this Groundhog Day. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And that's what the Lakers did. 
That is that, the hardest championship. I wonder what Bill Simmons meant by that. It, was that motivated by, by it, what? To diminish but, LeBron's accomplishment and by and by extension Lakers' accomplishment. Yeah, but why? Why doesn't he think it was harder? Oh, there's no reason for that. Oh, I know LeBron says it's harder, but I don't know about that. Oh, what do you mean? You don't know about that. You're right. Yeah. You don't. And by the way, I have enormous, like huge. One of the reasons that this show is the way it is right now is because of Bill Simmons, because I refused to do an MMA only podcast. But uh, <laughs> so one of the reasons that we're like this we is because nuts. of him. Um, so I love Bill Simmons, but you can't let your hatred of the Lakers and or LeBron bleed over into how hard that was, Will. How hard is that to be well, cooped up in the hotel for 100 days without your family? Oh, very. I mean, There's no other I, team that's you, done that. And you look at all their... So you think about... one of the, Some of the things that we don't see are is all the prehab rehab stuff that goes on. And so all their prehab rehab stuff basically had to be relocated and they were doing it out of hotel rooms. Literally taking the furniture out of hotel rooms and doing it like that. And so that's really important, especially in these days when workload is being monitored and recovery is really important. And they're doing this outside of the confines of their arenas that are set up to have all that stuff. Well, one, um, and one, like you said, the psychological part was really important. Yes. The Nobody's health, done that. Yeah. When I, and when I say the psychological part, the mental health component, and you have like, a lot of players coming out and say it was really difficult to them, for them from a mental health standpoint. There were dudes um, that quit that said, yeah. I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like they wanted, you know, they're like. It required more discipline from them. Um, and discipline, I mean, you just think about us. This is the, the restrictions that we're living in as non-NBA players. I mean, you have people that are complaining about wearing a mask they had to wear a mask all the time get tested all the time couldn't go certain places couldn't have couldn't go anywhere ex- yeah it was a complete bubble <laughs> um and so you think about those restrictions and how their life change is very different from you know oh wow okay we have to order takeout or oh okay we got to go to trader joe's and wear oh, a mask like what's a big freaking is, deal exactly yeah i wear a mask to go to the supermarket that's the yeah. extent of my my sacrifice uh, exactly. What it's objectively the hardest championship ever, despite what Bill Simmons says. It is. It is objectively the hardest one. And now, one of the things the players said that was good was if you needed treatment and you were on the road, right? You could come off the floor and go right into treatment because you're not getting on an airliner to go back to your city. But the Lakers weren't the only one that had that benefit. Every team that was in the bubble had that benefit. Well, you think about you think about their games and their games are in sense all it's all the time it's a neutral site mm-hmm. it's re- pretty much a neutral site so you don't have the advantage of home court and the lakers would have had home court that's right you don't have the ha- or, or going way it's just neutral and talk about point spreads or whatnot that has an effect um home court or not home court so now there you don't get that advantage the lakers would have had that advantage but they didn't get it. So it actually hurt them to be in the bubble. It's like you're in an arena. These kids have grown up since high school, 
playing an arena with a bunch of screaming fans, cheering, an atmosphere, a vibe. Now you get in this sterile environment where you have big screens of fans and piped in sound. You don't think that they could tell that 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 this isn't real, that this is an artificial Disney, literally a Disney created environment. And you're going to tell me that's not the most challenging thing ever. Yeah, what they went through was more was more of a test of resiliency than uh, dogged seven game series where you go home and away and you, you know, travel from one coast to the other. Um, there's way more resiliency that needs to be demonstrated in the bubble environment because of all those things. And then you think about the food and that whole situation and how they were, how you are and are not able to get certain types of food in that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, really challenging. Extremely and, challenging, man. There's no and it's a, a complete success for the players and for the league, what they executed. It was. And, and, and you you just can't you you can't take it away from the Lakers that that was the toughest championship. So I mean, whether you like them or not, uh, I didn't grow up a Lakers fan. I'm a Knicks fan, and I'm a LeBron fan. But uh, you know, objectively, nobody else has had to do that shit. So being a Knicks fan, you have to find an alternative team, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, the Knicks completely insane. I'm finally happy with how the Knicks are playing. Uh, if there's one player though that I wish was on the Knicks, and we're gonna shift gears here real quickly on life MMA in the NBA is Jeremy Lin, the aforementioned New York Nick who is in the G league uh, with, I think golden States G league team, but man, I really wish we had him back. And recently Jeremy was the victim of an on court racial slur by another player that called him quote, coronavirus unquote. And I think, really hurt the fighter that's of Taiwanese descent, I believe. And Will, I thought maybe you'd speak to that. Yeah, I thought that incident was really surprising considering the social awareness that's going around in the NBA with um, the injustices in social inequality um, in the African-American community. I see that and I find it really unfortunate. Now I'm assuming, obviously, I don't know, we don't know from the reports who said it. We don't know if it's if it was a Caucasian player. We don't know if it was an African-American player, black player. That's a we good point. Know, That's right. Good we don't point. know. We don't know what it is. We're just kind of assuming based on based on some type of probability. So if we yeah. if you let us assume, then you just find it find that it's really unfortunate because. When you talk about social justice, you have to be cognizant that it's just not social justice for one one group, but it's for but it's for but it's for everyone. And this is I don't this is not so much of a social injustice thing, maybe as an insensitivity, but insensitivity leads to social injustice. Um, so I just thought it worked against what the NBA had done, what I found a, a good job of doing. Um, and I found, I found it really unfortunate. Um, you know, Jeremy Lin decided not to name the player right. of who it was. And I could see why he would, I could see why he would do that. But the NBA 
um, nonetheless, is investigating the situation. And then I've read stories about uh, AAU teams that are predominantly Asian and they're in their layup lines and other teams are, you know, walking by and calling them the COVID team or the coronavirus team and things oh, like that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And so I've heard some things like going on like that. And then this, I mean, this happened, we were going to talk about this, geez, probably a, a month ago or kind of right when it happened, but we, we pushed it off and it's kind of timely since we've been pushing it off because now you have, um, you know, Asian American prejudices or prejudices against Asian Americans, um, is at a height is at a heightened state right now and um it's kind of funny because david chain talked about this on the show but you get like you get you get koreans and vietnamese people and japanese people whomever yeah um, even filipino people and uh are filipinos and and they're calling them like go back to china and stuff like that or like what are you talking about i've never been to china i'm a korean and i was born in america kind of one of those things so the uh the amount of ignorance just gets gets ridiculous after a while but um, like you mentioned at the top of the show we have the the atlanta incident where is it six or eight females eight asian females um that was that was murdered and then after that you have the police officer saying that um the the um the suspect quote-unquote suspect had, had was just having a bad day yeah, oh, yeah, just having a yeah, bad day. Yeah. And then you find out later that that same police officer who said that the suspect was having a bad day was promoting like Chinese coronavirus, like anti-Chinese t-shirts. No doubt. And, it, no doubt, and, man. It, and you just got like stuff like that going on. And then if you haven't, if you haven't heard in the news, you have a lot of older, older Asians, older adult Asians, um, basically getting attacked and assaulted um and you have a you have a lot of that stuff going on right now and it's just you know it's just a I think we're at the tail end of a time where insensitivity was accepted or actually endorsed by a certain group of people and we're seeing the the after effects of that that's going on right now um and there's a difference. I'm not going to be so naive and say we have to eliminate racism from every racism racism from every human being on the planet. No, but that, I, I think you cannot be like what Stephen Jackson did and spread it. Like you're spreading the you know, you, you can say, okay, eliminating is not something that's gonna happen, but I cannot be the person who spreads it, particularly when I'm a minority. And I'm spreading it against another group. That that doesn't make sense to me. You know, some of my Asian friends will say Asians are just as racist as, you know, as as some racist white people or or things like that. And you know, you just I'll just go. Well, that's why I always go. That's why I always say. To be pragmatic about it, you're not going to eliminate racism. It will it will always be there, but there was at least a point in time where the overt demonstration of racism wasn't as accepted as it is now um this is like a this is a really odd time at least in you know in my eyes it's a really odd time um, and i think it's because it's we've had a recent period of time when it's it's been accepted or it's been endorsed or it's been 
talked around. And I think people have a, when I, when I kind of take a big picture view of it and people like, um, when racism comes up now it's, there's subtle, there's subtlety to it. Right. And then there's the overtness to it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a really, it makes me worry about my older, my older family members, right? Um, you know, kind of have to worry about my parents a little bit more and making sure that they're aware of their surroundings and stuff like that. And, you know, my, obviously your friends and family, the older adults and things, and, you know, just even normal adults just cruising around and someone says, yell something out of the, the, out of their car and drives away. Um, I've had friends that have experienced that before, um, where they're getting, they're in a parking lot getting, you know, they're going to the beach or something. And then someone's driving by and yells, you know, go back to China or COVID, whatever, coronavirus kind of, kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, the, we're in really, we're in a really odd time right now. And I do agree that it shouldn't be tolerated. Um, and the and, most thing and, to understand, I want to say, Will, is everybody can be aggrieved. If you are a Catholic, you could be aggrieved. Correct. If you are Christian you could and white, you could be the aggrieved to party, depending on what someone says. A lot of people didn't give a damn that the uh, football team was called the Washington Racial Slurs. Yeah. Uh, the Redskins. Oh, that was okay. You know, I'm a minority, but Redskins is okay just because I don't know anybody who's Native American. I don't have any friends. I don't have any college classmates. So it's okay to say that because that's not my group. I'm not right. offended by that. I think what our country is going to have a difficult time doing is you're always going to get those people who are unwilling to change. Like when you hear something like the Redskins, and they're saying, how is that offensive? Well, first of all, they don't have, they don't have a background or they don't have, it's, it's basically ignorance is playing into how they're reacting to it. And I think the more their knowledge is, so then what they'll, they might do is they'll get like one, one Native American group, mm -hmm. like one amongst, that represents them all. And they'll say, oh no, that's- Oh yeah, it doesn't bother fine. me at all. I got- Yeah, and I got so one therefore yeah. it is fine. Yeah, it's okay for, for, for um, every tribe is cool with it. Because I am, and I happen to have a Redskins coat, as you can exactly. see here, that I'm wearing that Dan Snyder sent me in the mail, uh, along with a hat. Yeah, exactly. So I, a lot of the times people look at us being, oh, we're being way too sensitive about some things. Only like, dude, until it's, it's your group. Then it, well, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's not about insensitivity. It's just educate yourself. The reason why you think it's insensitive or we're, it's yeah, people are being too sensitive. It's because yeah. you don't have the knowledge to understand why it's insensitive. And I think it's, it's, but we're not at a state general society where intellect is valued. <laughs> intellect is not valued right now. And right now it's based on, on narrative. Um, it's valued so I think by that, me, Will, because I want to have a <laughs> master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny when you uh you find someone the best at what they do in in a specific scientific area they committed their lives to it they studied their 
They've studied this particular science their entire life, and they're well, highly respected within the field of science and even other related sciences. And they're going to give their scientific recommendation. And you're going to go, and you, I'm not saying you, I'm saying you in general, like you to people who do this, who didn't like science in high school, didn't like math in high school, and just try to stay away from it, not believe them. Yeah, or or go, render you're, an you're, opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or you're full of it, kind of thing. I just don't under I just don't understand that logic. Or, or someone will contort it who has zero background in any of that, has no idea what they're talking about. And they'll believe them instead of the top person in the field. That is like it's just a reflection of an inability to, I don't want to say think, but an, an inability to consume information. <laughs> let, let me make a blanket statement. Be educated on whatever topic it is that you're talking about. Yeah. Get educated I, on that topic. So I look at it even within my sports science teams, right? Work with my sports science teams. I have coaches and one of the coaches that I work with, he uh, was the rated as the best coach of this past year in that particular sport. And he'll tell me, if I don't know something, I'm going to find the expert in that field and I'm going to go and ask him and I'm going to bring him on the team and we're going to do that. Right. Oh, and by the way, he has this particular coach has a ton of really good players and that's not, that's not black magic, right? That's not snake oil. There's a reason why he's the best coach and he has a ton of really good players and that's, that's sports, but I think we should look at that as a microcosm of how we should go about making decisions in our life. So when I have a question about, about disease, right, or about COVID, I'm not going to get it from a third source, but I'm going to go and find a friend or a friend of a friend who is an infectious disease expert for their most of their adult lives. And I'm going to say, what do you think about this? Right. And then I'm going to go to another one or maybe an epidemiologist and go, okay, what do you think? So it's how you pull information and how, how I, what identifying resources like DJ, you might say something about like, oh, you know, I heard COVID, blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, okay. But that value of your opinion or your, whatever Zero. you say about COVID, it's going to be less than let's say if I know the White House's director of the pandemic, right? Who is obviously a really, a really intelligent guy that's yeah. committed to his field and has been in his field, has earned his respect and all that kind of stuff. And so I think people have a serious problem obtaining the right, the right information these days. I agree. Yeah, and I, I try not to speak with authority or at least couch my comment by how little authority I have on that topic, but I and that's, some, I, go ahead. That's apolitical. Right. That's right. That's doesn't have to do with politics. Yes. If you want to know how to grapple, you don't go to a boxing coach. <laughs> if you want to know how to grapple, you don't take the advice of, of an attorney who doesn't do anything in fight sports. Right. Like you don't do that. What do you do? You go, to the best. That's right. Um, if it's jujitsu, I'm going to say it's Felipe de la Monica. <laughs> yeah. 
And if it's <laughs> MMA, I want to be coached by Khabib, which, by the way, he's offering to coach Luke Rockhold. Um, oh, oh, okay, they're boys though. Well, but no, here, but still, that's a big deal. This is the this is this is another interesting within the sports domain is because you're a good athlete. Does that mean you're going to be a good coach? Well, apparently, Khabib is already taking an active role in training guys, and if he could even take a guy like Luke, who I believe wrestled in high school, and get him to really put that into his game, yes, that could make a big difference because Luke is a better athlete than a lot of the guys out there. So, already. So, so I think, Khabib, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen Khabib coach at all. But I haven't either. I'll, I'm just, I'll give me, I'm, yes, like, I don't I'll, know. I'd give you an example. It's like who who is who is arguably the best basketball player to ever play? Oh, um, James. Yeah, <laughs> but someone who has we'll go to with someone who hasn't played before, right? So we'll say okay, like some people will say Michael Jordan. Okay, some people then, would say yeah. That. Some people yes. some yeah. people would say Michael Jordan. So you go okay, Michael Jordan is the best player. Would he be a really good coach? No. <laughs> and he's Correct. not a good GM either, but he did and pick Tom um, Brady's LaMelo Tom Brady's Balls. Tom Brady's yeah. the best of all time at quarterback. Yeah. Would he be a really good coach? I would tend to think that he would, but just by his personality, because he kind of coaches now a little bit. So there's but, a scientific yeah. explanation for yeah. this. And my answer to this is always no. No. You don't okay. have the best players aren't always don't always make good coaches magic. And here yeah magic yeah and magic actually has a losing record as a coach and so this is the this is the scientific explanation for us right for with motor skills you have things that you do based off of what's called procedural knowledge so if i were to ask you to walk dj I, if i were to ask you to teach me how to walk what would you do how would you do it um, I guess I would start you from seated and teach you how to stand up first. <laughs> but something that's so easy for you to do, something that's right. so basic and fundamental. Like we really don't have a good idea how we would teach people to walk, right? No, no. But nonetheless, we can demonstrate it easily. Yeah. You'd say, you'd say, let me show you how to do it. Right. And so really good players, just like really bad players, they have this ability to do but not necessarily explain it's called procedural knowledge and so <laughs> and so that class is in session people yes <laughs> and so and so that procedural knowledge is what really good athletes possess and they they over time some some really good athletes will will obtain the things that allow them to be good coaches because there are certain coaching methodologies and strategies and some don't right and so just because you're a good athlete, just because you can play it well, doesn't mean you can coach it because what you can do doesn't necessarily mean you can explain it, right? You might be able to show them or what Michael Jordan does in terms of interpreting a defense. He probably, those are things that are happening he can't unconsciously. He can't explain Unconsciously, that. right? That he's able to do and consume that information and make decisions on an unconscious level that he doesn't even know that he's doing it. No, he's... So he cannot necessarily teach those people. And so it's not always, it doesn't always mean because you're a good athlete, you're going to become a good coach. You're just good. You're a good athlete. Okay. So Luke Rockhold, we have a message for you from Dr. Will Wu, which is to not 
accept Khabib's offer of coaching. No, and furthermore, no, but tell, I'm not gonna. Tell I'm Khabib. not gonna go that far. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna go there. I'm, I'm Khabib, he's I'm backing down already because no, he no. don't want he don't want you to show up, man. That, There's a difference. There's a difference. Khabib may well be a very good coach, but just because he's the number one pound for pound, would you say best of all time? Fighter. Maybe. Perhaps. Right. We don't know you. Arguably. Arguably. The best of all time. Yeah. Arguably the best of all time. Just because he is that doesn't mean he's automatically gonna be a good coach. But it's like Dr. Will Wu, send location. And be like, no, no, <laughs> no, man. Hold up, man. Hold up. <laughs> I would love to I would love to see his um his coaching techniques of course love to see I, I think you're a big fan but uh what well, to close this out will i want to close this out with something that's really important and i'm going to couch this question with the low part being one percent the upper part meaning a lot is ten percent so we're one to ten or <laughs> zero to ten okay so we're going right, that's my for, range is zero that's to your 10%. range is zero to ten percent all right, audience, this is to find out how much respect I would get from Will additional to what he already has for me if I earn my master's degree. So none at all would be 0% or even less than 0 because uh, we'll let him go to minus 5 or 10%. So, Will, how much more would you respect me if I get my earn my master's? As a person, that's really tough because as a person, I respect you incredibly. Are we in the whole numbers? That's all I want to know. Have we Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So we've made it to one at least. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just setting Absolutely. this up as an absurd, absurd scenario. I'm going to max out the, I'm going to max out the percentage. <laughs> Because we don't know what the baseline is. The baseline is already high. But I'm going to max out the percentage. Does that make any sense, DJ? <laughs> that does, yes. Because right? it's just 10. I'm looking at it as 10 additional percentages. Yeah, I just didn't want to give you a 100-point uh, uh, scale because then, you know, I'd be it could totally, have been really low. I'd be totally stoked and happy for you if you chose to pursue a master's degree. Um, but it would just be a reflection because I think he will choose it to do so. Yeah, I think it's going to, in October, I'm going to. Yeah, so, but that would just be a reflection of who I think that you are. Like, when I think of DJ, I go, DJ would want to further his ed education. Like, I automatically, it doesn't surprise me. I do. And I would be super, I would be super happy for you because, I mean, this is one of the things, you know, I get, I get a, you know, get asked a lot by athletes and coaches about my, my area of expertise. And what I learned quickly in grad school was that the more I studied it, and this is a common saying is the more you study it, the more you don't know. Right. You figure out how much you don't know. Right. I mean, there's a ton we don't know. And what I can do for them is give them my recommendation based off my, my knowledge of, of the research and the data um, and kind of put, connect some dots 
for some dots that aren't necessarily there. Um, so I think that, I think that's good for everybody if, if they had that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and people don't know a lot about the scientific process in general. I hear people all the time say, uh, well, they were telling us about COVID. They were early on, they were telling this about COVID. Now they're telling us this about like six feet. Now they're telling three feet. And I don't, I don't know the exact data. I don't even think, I don't know if they've done us. And I haven't seen any studies. There was a lot they didn't know. It's a new, I mean, yeah. it was a new virus. But, so. but this is, this is how science works is you're always trying to find out new additional information. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People think they're going to come up with the final answer during the first (laughs) month. It's like, no, they're going to they're going to look at the data and go, okay, this works. That works. This doesn't work. That does work. The information changes based on the scientific process of the data that comes out from that. And so there's a fundamental flaw. And this is this is the lack of education or this is basically the lack of education about science with with people is that their their thought process is fundamentally flawed when they say oh the scientists were telling us this in the beginning but now they're telling us now we're like no duh that's how science works is where they make recommendations based on the available data that they have and the data that new data that comes in could change it and there wasn't much at the start of it everybody go and google dr claire patterson and find out about this scientist and why you are no longer able to buy leaded gasoline at your gas station. And you can thank Claire Patterson for that. So, uh, but anyway, well, uh, one person who is getting educated tonight who we didn't have with us uh, is Nick Cazono. And we're very proud of him because though he already has a degree in sociology, he's gone and has some successful tours as a band member. He is in. He did what was necessary in his prerequisites courses and his volunteer work, and him working in a nursing home to get himself into nursing school. And I think a lot of something that Nick and I discussed, our co-host, is that people think you just say, "Oh, I want to go to nursing school." No, it oh. doesn't work like that. You don't just say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna apply for a nursing program." You will not be competitive to get into that program unless a your your transcripts for your undergrad say that you'd be competitive, um, that you're going you've taken all the prerequisite courses post degree to get into it, and then you have to show that you have volunteerships, which Nick is still doing, uh, even though he's already gotten into nursing school. Just from a coursework point of view. Nick had to do a crap ton because sociology, that degree is not a, um, it's a behavioral science degree rather than um, like a A biological biological science degree. And so the preparation, the coursework that he took for his sociology degree is nowhere going to match the coursework requirement just to apply to nursing school. So in a sense, when <laughs> Nick had to do with his coursework is basically he did another two years, probably did another half major yeah. of science of science work. Um, and that's just the coursework. That's not all the other uh, practical experience that he had to get um, in addition to that. So that's he says it like, oh, I'm going to nursing school. It's like, dude, that's no joke, dude. 
Yeah. He had to do a lot, especially to become an associate major, but I think he's going to be super stoked because that's a really good profession. Nurses are in high demand right now. It's really hard to be a jobless, uh, be a, a, a nurse without oh, no. a job. No. Yeah. He's going to, you just got to decide what state you want to be in. Yeah. Like which of the 50 states you want to be in. Exactly. You can work, you can work, um, you can pretty much work anywhere. So he's going to have the flexibility to be able to choose where he wants to live based on his lifestyle um, and be cool, like help people out at the same time. Yeah, I think he's going to be very good. He has the right temperament. So we're very proud of Nick Cazono. And I'm also proud of my friend, Dr. Will Wu, who I uh, am now counting on for two things. He has two taskers, as my boss says to me. Uh, we got to get Joe Hampton on the show. Uh, oh, my gosh. Who is now a student. <laughs> and and Will can just walk up to him in the hallway and go, oh, you're going to be on our podcast. And the second. Oh, one, he's just going to say, he's just going to say, yeah. No, right? I mean, find a more artful way to do it. Just find a way. <laughs> find a way. You're from the hood. You're from L.A. Just find a way. Um so we want to have Joe Hampton on. That would be so dope and talk basketball with him. Uh, or coach uh, the guy who you had in class, Coach John? Is it? No. What's that coach's name that from ELAC that's in the wheelchair? Oh, Kenny. Ken. Yeah. Yeah. I would love Kenny. to have on Coach Ken. That would be, like, phenomenal. Uh, or, and, I shouldn't say or because these are ands. It could be Joe Hampton and someone from the Dave Chain. One of those Asian dudes from the Dave Chain. Yes. Well, first we we had Coach Ken. So we had Joe Hampton and Coach Ken. And I would like either Isaac Lee or Chris Ying. But not Dave Chain. And Chris Ying. Oh, I would love to have Dave Chang. We have, I don't think we have any chance of getting him on. Uh, Maybe I'll see him at Sam Wu in San Gabriel Valley. Oh my God, yeah, and Chris Ying, also Chinese, just saying, and uh, make it happen, Will. <laughs> just show him, show him the cred because you can speak more Chinese than him, and we're in. But I don't know. He's he's pretty educated. Uh, Dave, you heard Dave Chang say, and I've heard them reference before that he got very very high marks in school. So you guys will probably actually hit it off. I think Dave. So, there was. I think Dave Chang was. He actually played a ton of competitive junior golf growing up. I think it was him. That's not, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, or something like that. And then I I don't know how he fell out of it or or whatnot, but I he's, vaguely remember something like that. He he's phenomenal, man. I I can't say enough. The Dave Chang Show podcast is five stars funny, and I I mean you if you listen to that one about the breakfast burrito and the Vegas. Yeah. The whole thing where they talk about the, how you, the buffet. Yeah. The buffet one. <laughs> yes, the I'll... buffet one. He goes, dude, you don't start with the starches, man. That's a rookie move. You know, like, <laughs> dude, when, when he said they were talking about, uh, I can't remember which co-host said, I, I go to the prime rib. I go to the prime rib first. <laughs> and then they start talking about what cuts the prime rib. And I was totally cringing because Dave Chang, this is what I do. Dave Chang goes, you know what you do? You get the end piece. It's called yes. the end cap. Yeah. And I'm like, no, don't say that. Because if you say that, everybody is going to get that piece. That piece and then if I'm at the buffet, I'm not going to be able to get it. <laughs> you like, he no. ruined it. You have to I'm wait like, until the new piece of meat comes out. 
So what Ooh. you got to do, you got to hover until that new one comes out and then you like run, you cut somebody off. Yeah, exactly. But what's but, the and, other thing? Didn't they say like you have to get food that you can eat before you get back to the table? You you get food food that you can eat with your hands. And one of the things that I totally <laughs> I totally disagree I I this is how we did. If we were ever to get either of those dudes on, mm-hmm. we would do it. We would do the show while we're eating something. Oh my god, yes. That would yes. be the best because they were saying something like, "Oh, you go to the you go to the buffet and then you go to the Asian part first. You go to the Asian part first because no one's going to go to that part or something along that." <laughs> yeah. And I, I couldn't And you get disagree. the general sauce chicken. Yeah, I couldn't disagree <laughs> anymore. I could not disagree anymore uh. with that. And I would love to have explained that the and he said he said that Chinese food is actually okay. No, it's not. It, the Chinese food at a buffet is terrible. Don't do it. Well, see, but Don't that's where that's where Dave Chang would have like a ten minute go at you just for saying what you just said because he would find a way to get you right from there. Well, it'd be it'd be hard pressed considering considering my background no no don't even no will i'm sorry i'm pushing back i'm pushing back this dude is a worldwide expert in asian cuisine don't even go there it's not even it doesn't even have to do with the issue of quality it's just taste right because i'll tell you a funny story when i first got to ucla the kids were the kids were the students that were going oh dude um the orange chicken at panda express it's like ridiculous. It's off the hook, right? My first yeah, year at UCLA. Th- no, check this out. This is all. It, it'll it'll prove it'll show my point here, right? So I'm going. I know Panda Express is like fast food Chinese food. I had never been to Panda Express until I got to UCLA, right? So I'm like, but orange chicken? What the hell is that? Like, that's not that's not Chinese. that's not real, right? right. It's not real. It's. American it's like Russian. a chalupa American. doesn't exist in Mexican yeah, cuisine. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, they're like, dude, you don't know what orange chicken is? And I'm like, no, dude, what the hell is that? And they're like, go there and eat it. Let's go there and eat it. So I go there. We go there. And I try it out. I'm like, dude, that's like, all right. It's fried. It's got like a sweet sauce on it. Everybody's getting it. So I get it. And I eat it. And I'm like, damn, that is freaking crack cocaine like if i'm a, if yeah. I'm a drug or something yeah it not that you freaking would. good so it's not the fact that i'm going okay i go to these really high-end chinese restaurants and you know you know i have like abalone whatever or shark fin soup which they don't do shark fin soup anymore <laughs> um, but right it's not because of it's not because of that it's just like dude i'm i'm down with like low end or low quality Chinese food, if it tastes good, but at the buffet, if you go to orange chicken at the buffet, right. And you have an orange chicken there, you will be disappointed if you've gone to Panda Express. Okay. This I, I'm guys, I'm going to rescue the show. And I, I'm right now. I'm going to say that I love will and I'm going to protect will from himself. <laughs> and I'm going to do a Roswell right now. I'm going to do a 19, it's 1947, it's July, it's Roswell, New Mexico, and a UFO just crash landed, and I am going to tell you that it did not. In fact, it was a weather balloon. So those of you out there who think 
that you just heard my brother, Dr. Will Wu, say that he's going to take on Dave Chang with something about food. You did not, in fact, hear that. And I am oh, here. No, you heard it because Dave Chang, as an adult, had Jaja Man for the first time as an adult. <laughs> okay. All right. You so, Jaja so, Man, as soon as that was like some of our, as a baby, that was like our first solid <laughs> okay. food. All right. We're going to, we're going to close the show here. And I'm going to save Will. I'm going to, again, I'm going to save Will, you know, in anticipation that we, and I'm thinking positively here. We are going to get on. Either Isaac Lee or Chris Ying or Dave Chang, probably in the reverse order of that. Or actually, starting from the top, we might get Isaac Lee, we might get Chris Ying, and it'll be Christmas if we get uh, if we get Dave Chang. But I, I, quite honestly, I'd want to talk to any one of them because they're all funny, and we're all we're gonna laugh our ass off. And I'm gonna try to protect Will from what I think will happen to him. If he goes down this line of inquiry <laughs> with Dave Chang, so for do- for Doctor Will Wu and and the aforementioned Nick Casono, what do you got, Will? Parting shot. This, this better be a good song to take us out on. Oh, I don't it even have, be a good one. I have nothing queued up. Oh it no! Been, oh, he did. This is terrible. Oh, this is gosh. terrible. We gotta okay. save the show now. You don't have right. what? What is it? What is All it right, called? In the song that ends the show. No, wait. Here it is, right here. I got something oh, for you. It. Hang on. Um, let's see if this is gonna come through. Let's see if we can get out of the 1970s. We are out of the 1970s. So <laughs> let me let me lower this just so I can hear myself. All right, party people. So for Dr. Will Wu, <laughs> this is DJ San Marco saying peace out, one love, and we will see you down the road. Taking you out to once a garden, once again with the sound garden and rusty chain. Yeah, go get that orange chicken, but only from Panda Express. Like French fries. <laughs> Three item combo, all orange chicken. <laughs>